2: It's Swindon town.
0: Friday already, Ryan. Here we are again. Hello. Hello.
3: Good morning. And yes, Friday, another weekend of Swindon action, this time at the county grounds. So looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, it would be really, really good if Swindon can, you know, I think I think fan, fans have been saying this this week, like they want to see one of these away performances at the county ground. It's something that we've sort of discussed a lot over the years on the pod. It's, it's, a, it's a funny one really, isn't it?
3: It is. I think this season it's been more that, as Ben Garner elaborates on press conference we'll chat about later, the performances haven't actually been bad and they've probably been better than some of the away performances, but for whatever reason, just getting that ball in the back of the net has been a a bit of an uphill task at the county ground compared to some other places.
0: Yeah. Did you enjoy Forest Green Rovers away? Oh,
3: it was brilliant. It's one of the few away games that I do Forest Green. Um, the crowd were fantastic, and of course the the on the on field result was even better. It was a, it was a it was a great day, and probably, you know, in terms of goal scoring, one of Swindon's best performances of the season.
0: Fantastic. Well, um, we'll move to the press conference now. Just an FYI to people: you know, the glory of technology has let me down today. So we are on Chromebook microphone um, for me. <laughs> so I, I, I do apologise um, if the audio isn't as you know good as it usually is. It really is hot and cold sometimes. But um, Dems the brakes. Um, let's let's talk about Ben Garner's. Uh, press conference today which you were in attendance I mean it's the big question the big discussion and I've been getting involved in this discussion has been goalkeepers Um, and we've had you know five players on international duty um, and I think the biggest talking point has been the fantastic Performances of Lewis Ward. Well, I mean, his most notably his performance against Forest Green Rovers was which was sensational. Um, I'm very much of the opinion that going forward Jojo Wallacott is our number one. But I think what we saw or we heard today in the press conference, Ryan, is that it's pretty clear to me, if I was a betting man, which I'm absolutely not, is that Lewis Ward is gonna be number one because of travel more, more than anything for JoJo.
3: Yeah, that's the feeling that I kind of got as well. It it was almost a, like you said, Jojo only arrived back at Heathrow yesterday. He then wanted to go home, we were told, and relax with his family. Of course, very tired, for lots of travel. And of course, he, he played in both games for Ghana as well. So on top of the travel, he's played two 90-minute matches. Um, I do believe that Lewis Ward will be back between sticks tomorrow. Jojo Wallach will be on the bench. However, you know, Does that mean Lewis Ward will be the number one keeper going forward? No, I don't think so. He's done really well, as you mentioned there. Uh, Of course, that outstanding performance at at Forest Green the other day is, you know, for any FIFA players out there, he's he's even earned a Team of the Week card in in Ultimate Team, which, you know, kind of shows in terms of um, the virtual world, at least, how how good he's been recently. Uh, But I would expect JoJo to come back, and I think, Ben Garner probably hinted at that without without kind of giving it away as well.
0: It's very much you know dancing around the answer or the question, isn't he? He's it's you know when you when you look at the the quotes in word form, you know he's going to pick the team that reflects that. But Jojo's very tired; he's been away, so it's logical and the right decision. To play Lewis Ward for at least the Rochdale game.
1: It is. I mean,
3: this 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 whole right decision, I mean, I don't think it's ever gonna be if Lewis Ward goes and puts a good performance in again, then you know, he'll then have the decision to make and it and people might say, Oh, it'd be the right decision to let Lewis Ward play again. But at the same time, I think Ben Garner's thinking and also, you know, my my opinion was it that Jojo Wallacott hasn't just been injured and been away, he's been that good for us this season he's earned an international call up. Which is why he's been away. So I, I don't think it's fair to probably penalise him for that. But at the same time, I understand the argument that Lewis Ward has them very well.
0: Absolutely. As well, we'll see what happens at three o'clock on Saturday.
3: One thing I can tell you is that there'll be no Steve Mildenhall on the bench again.
0: Oh, so you know, does that mean that uh, Jojo will at least sleep on the bench or uh... he will? Yeah,
3: one of them. It will. Like I say, one of them. We know pretty much that Lewis Ward will start. Uh yeah, Jojo Wallacott will be on the bench. Steve Mildenhall will have to retire as a uh, goalkeeping jersey again
0: this season. Well, there are internationals coming up in November. Um, <laughs> so many internationals. The Football League trophy game, Papa John's trophy game against Plymouth was discussed. Uh, I think it's just all about the, the cliche of, you know, winning is a good habit to be in, but it was a good workout, good run out for, for those who probably won't start on the weekend, and it really was quite a good win.
3: It was a it was a very good win. You know, the the Plymouth team that they put out. Yes, it might not have been the the full strength starting eleven that has, took them to the top of the League One table, but it was a very good team that they still put out, on. and and it was an impressive performance from and three one away from home down at Plymouth. Uh, ben Garner was delighted with the team forms, and actually, what was really interesting is one thing that he touched on in the press conference um, was that. The physical records in terms of statistics, so distances covered, is one that he highlighted. Is that in that game, players who haven't been playing regularly actually came in and broke those records um, from what we've seen previously this season? season. He said that was really pleasing. It shows this culture of the group how, you know, regardless of if you're a starter, if you're getting lots of minutes or not, you're training hard and the intensity is there from every single player in this squad. So, you know, that was a really big positive for Ben Garner. Of course, we didn't touch too much on, you know, another victory in this cup because I don't really think there's that much interest in the cup still regardless. Um, But it was a good win against the Plymouth side. And, and like you said, the whole kind of building confidence, giving players a run out. It, it was those cliches in there.
0: Yeah. And Jaden Mitchell Lawson was discussed specifically. I was surprised he didn't get any minutes against Forest Green Rovers. Not that it was the wrong decision, but he did really impress me a little bit. Um, against Bristol Rovers the week before that but we could have a potential really useful player in in Mitchell Lawson.
3: We could and it's a player that I've asked Bengana quite a lot this season and we've discussed on the pod before in the presser. Um I think that Jaden Mitchell Lawson has a lot of talent and a lot of ability and, and so does Bengana. The problem that Bengana has is who does he then drop to put Jaden Mitchell Lawson in this side? Um, when Ben spoke about him on the performance against Plymouth, he said that it was a really strong performance in Jaden. But he also touched on how there's a lot more to come to him because Jaden Mitchell Lawson is still adapting, he's still getting up to speed. Um, but Ben Garner really does believe there's, there's kind of a lot of potential there in this player and a lot, a lot of potential to him to have a, a massive impact for Swindon Town this season. Um, he spoke about this understanding between players that, you know, and that understanding isn't probably there with some of the players that we saw the other night because they've not got as many minutes. Um but you spoke about how, you know, that, that natural understanding will become more concrete as as these players play more together, um, as we work stronger as a team as well. Um but it's an interesting debate, Jaden Mitchell Austin. He's a very good player, but who do you take out?
0: Absolutely. There really is not much wriggle room at the moment um for manoeuvring players into this squad. Ghana was asked about performances and it's it's we're in one of those stages where, you know, in August the feeling was good and we were talking about automatic promotion and then we had sort of a stinkier September and then we were sort of like we need to get real, we need to realise that, you know, it's not going to be as great a season as we want it to be, and then we're having a great October, and then we're moving back towards um <laughs> going trying to get automatic promotion or better. What did Ghana have to say about performances?
3: The question was really thrown at Ben Garner about kind of, you know, have you been surprised about performances? Were you expecting to have produced the types of performances that you have recently? Because admittedly, this is the last few games, probably ever since the Bristol Rovers match, the last three games, including that cup victory over Plymouth. It has been Swindon's best kind of purple patch of the season so far. Um, He spoke about how they want to keep getting better for the next 11, 12 games. I'm not sure why he pulled those numbers out in particular. there has been a lot of good work and commitment to the process, he said. But Ben Garner, and, and he said it many times before, he really touched on this point of how, you know, we're not happy with where we're at yet. We want to get stronger as the season goes on. We want to keep building players physically, he spoke about. And that um, seems to be a big thing for Ben Garner, is, is having this kind of really high fitness load in these players. And, and in terms of performances, he wants to get stronger in those as well, because, you know, Ben Garner has this, Hunger to prove himself and this hunger to win, and and he he really does seem to be a, a head coach, a manager, whatever you want to call him, that that is massively into putting into intense training sessions
0: and and replicating those training session performances on the pitch. Yeah, well, it's Rochdale next. Rochdale aren't in good form. They've lost their last few league games. It's one of these games where Swindon fans will be going to the county ground and expecting three points, so for the first time in a couple of weeks, there will be a level of expectancy for us to to win, or more so, I would say well garner
3: he wanted to give a little bit of credit to to Rochdale because, like you said, they have had this tough period of late um you know that they're, they're winless in the league since kind of the start to middle of September when they when they had a one 0 victory over tranmere. Uh, they're kind of dropping down the table, as we speak, in 18th position. But Ben Garner still gave quite a lot of credit to this side um, without touching too much on the fact that they were expected to win. I think he was kind of trying to deflect a little bit of pressure there. Um, he said that, look, we've got good confidence and great momentum, but we can't get ahead of ourselves because he said, look, Rochdale are a really good team. And and I genuinely think he believes that just because results have dropped recently, he said. Um, you know, their statistics are high. They have good players, a good manager. And if you give them time and the manager time, they will put some good performances in. Um, he then went on to t- talk about a little bit more of his view on statistics in depth because he said he always looks at video and stats, but it's, it's really nice to have that data there um, because the thing for Ben Garner, when he looks at the stats behind Rochdale performances, Swindon performances and any team's performances that he comes up against this season, is that they don't lie. He said they give you a good reference point. We use that ourselves to analyse performances. Um, and he said, they've been working hard looking at the video and looking at the data ahead of this game
0: against Rochdale. And then Garner was asked again about the home form and it was interesting because he talked about like how he preps uh, home and away games and it doesn't sound like there's any difference. No, I, I wouldn't imagine there is a, you know,
3: no matter where you're playing a game, it's, it's a 90 minute football match that, that you want to try and win, isn't it? So, you know, I think there is a bit of frustration there from Ben Garner that he's not been able to get the 3 points, well, as many three-point victories as he would like in front of the home crowd. Um, but he said they have spoken about this. It's, it's something that's been addressed this week in training, but they don't prepare any differently. Um, and as I touched on earlier, he kind of echoed this th- feeling that the performance had been good without us getting the results. But he, he is confident of winning tomorrow, Ben and so he should be.
0: Is there any news in re- in relation to how he... He might line up any any sort of hints of who might might start and who is out
3: it was ve- it was very quiet on that that front in terms of injuries there was a little bit of doubt over Akinodomeo but he is fit to play and I expect him to start the only player that I believe is unavailable is Anthony Grant um, who I understand is traveling back still uh, from international duty so he he is not available to play tomorrow um, but that was kind of always expected to be the case with Anthony, anyway. Um, but apart from that, no, it's, it's a full, it's a full strength team.
0: Lovely, lovely. And then, of course, it wouldn't be a presser at the moment without a bit of McCurdy love.
3: It wouldn't, would it? Harry McCurdy's the name on everyone's lips at the moment. He's um, he has been in great form, hasn't he? You know, ever since he kind of came off the bench at Bristol Rovers, made that difference. He, he's been a big player for Swindon. Town. He's a big player again against Plymouth Argyle the other day. Um. Ben Garner didn't want to go into too much detail because I think he's been speaking about Harry McCurdy quite a lot recently. But he just said the reason why Harry has got better is because he's fitter. You know, he had this long period of not playing um, before he came to Swindon Town. He then had a shortened pre-season. He then had this uh, quad injury that was kind of a little bit of a niggle that he was managing. And and Ben Garner took the decision to kind of take him out um, of the team and and to get that injury right. And he said, we're now seeing 100% of Harry.
0: He does have him and LSI Anderleau do have some remarkable film preferences, though.
3: They do. They do. You know, Marley and Me, um, Toy Story, Jack Payne. I am glad he didn't eat Jack Payne's chicken. Um, <laughs> I do have to say I, I was kind of slightly concerned when I saw that medium rare chicken. Um, but, <laughs> you know, it's uh, that's it, it, even though, you, you know, mm these players are, are um, kind of developing a relation on, relationship on the pitch. It's great to see them developing a relationship on the, off the pitch. And we'll, we'll talk on that, about that in a moment
0: and why that's important to Ben Garner. Absolutely, we will. And on that lovely segue, shall we listen to your questions? Definitely. Let's, let's get into it.
1: Hi, Ben.
3: Um, just a couple of quick ones. Um, you, you spoke about kind of our how, how, you know, this is a close-knit group off off the pitch. How important is that to success? And what have you done or... Or the team, done signed, you know, have that unity off the pitch.
4: Yes, really important um, in my experience. I don't think you can be successful without it. Uh, Every team that I've been involved with over the years, the the best seasons, the best performance levels, have been with groups that are close. The
1: recording has stopped. Um,
4: not, not just close in terms of. Um, being mates and together etc but also the closeness that you can actually challenge each other um and and you can even criticize in training you know if standards aren't right that there's that closeness that no one takes it personally you know it's about the uh, it's about the behavior not the individual you know if we're not happy with a standard of something we're comfortable that players can address that and we as staff can address that without people taking it personally um, so i think it's really important um we we've uh we've tried to forge those bonds but a lot of it's down to the players a lot of it's we've given a lot of ownership to them um, in terms of how they run the dressing room attempts the environment they want the fine system etc um and then we're trying to develop leaders within the group all the time that we think can can help that um and yeah they're, they're a wonderful group they're great to work with every day and uh, the fact that they are close is, is really important to us
3: and what what is the decision the decision behind letting players kind of manage that dressing room because a lot of you know head coaches managing the game you can have these authoritative figures who will kind of dominate that dressing room and and the focus be on them so so why do you think it's important to kind of let them have their own say and, and kind of take ownership I guess
4: it, the dressing room for me is their domain it is it, it's, it's theirs you know what goes on inside their... Is, is down to the players, and um, if you're going to be successful, you need leaders on the pitch. You need leaders in the team. You've got to empower them to do that. To do that off the pitch, and we've got uh, you know a culture here and a, and a direction that we want to go in, and how we work, how we treat people. That's made clear from from my perspective and from from the staff's perspective. But then in, in the areas that are within their control, um, that, that's down to them, and I think it's. I think it's really important now because um, you'll hear a lot of people saying again you don't find as many leaders nowadays well we've got to create those leaders and a different type of leader probably from years gone by Um, so we have to give them um, the space to do that and the opportunity to do that Um, that's something that we're very conscious of and we're fortunate here that we've got really good characters and I thought we I think we've got different types of leaders uh, within our group as well
3: and finally just one word on a, on a player that doesn't get much mention, that's, that's Louis Reed. He's kind of been quite a frequent starter under yourself. How important is he to this team? Because he, he does the simple things well, it seems.
4: Yeah, very, very important. Um, fantastic player. Um, you know, both Ben and I were absolutely delighted when we when we managed to get into the football club because um, uh, he, you know, I thought he, it was a difficult thing to do. Um, and I, you know, it We hoped that we would, but we doubted it at times because of the quality of player that Louis Louis is. But no, he's a a really good character, uh, very popular within the group. Wonderful decision maker with the ball. Um, I think he's really improved in the time he's been in without the Mm -hmm. ball as well. Um, Another one that I think um, is growing in leadership skills. He's growing in um, confidence within the group. Uh, I think he's had an excellent season so far and, um, and and hopefully he will keep improving and keep benefiting the team.
3: Brilliant. Thanks, Ben. See you tomorrow. Good luck.
0: So you must be really happy with, with the answers that he gave you this week um, because there was lots of depth, I would say, in there. The first question you asked there, team unity and something that's been really obvious, especially within social media with people like Harry McCurdy and Jack Payne and LSI Andelo, you know, sort of, uh, showing us how friendly they all are, and it's great to see. Well, first of all, what I'd, what I'd like to say
3: is, you know, this this kind of Ben Garner that we're seeing these answers from at the minute. I have to say, I'm I'm getting some really good answers from Ben Garner, and uh, you know, he certainly is a manager that kind of isn't isn't afraid to kind of reveal his feelings on certain matters, which which is which is really helpful because it also allows the fans to kind of develop. a A little bit more of a connection understand what type of person he is but in terms of team unity Ben Garner spoke about how it is it's such an important thing to him he's been part of you know many teams over the years and and he said the as you heard there you know you can't be successful without having a good team unity and it was almost that Ben Garner I asked him why you know and how he's working on building this but he said that a lot of it is letting the players take that responsibility and whether it's off the pitch or on the pitch or in training, and also developing a closeness that it's not always saying nice stuff to each other and having nice moments. It's also developing that closeness, as you heard, whereby players can criticize each other. As players can you know call each other out if they're not happy with what's happening. And It seems to me that Ben Garner and his staff and, and all the players have really worked hard on that. We heard him after the Forest Green Rose game the other day talking about how, in terms of Harry McCurdy, it's really important that he lets players be who they want to be. and I think that is why we're seeing this kind of great form from Swindon at the moment, and, and this kind of upturning results that's taken them to near the near the top of the table because everyone's gelling and and it's just without sounding cliche, it's one big happy family at Swindon Town.
0: It was really really nice, and it is nice when it when that's the case, and we're winning too, which is the most important thing. I don't care like if they're best chubs or not, as long as once three o'clock rocks up that they can they can at least. Uh, play alongside each other. But yeah, it, it's yeah. great fun. Uh, yeah, it, great fun to, to see.
3: It is. And I also think it's it's important for Ben Garner to kind of have that team unity because we spoke about this team and, and the players and the individuals that they've got at the club that we have a lot of talented players. And, and you know, Ben Garner does have some difficult, difficult decisions to leave players out. So if he doesn't have that team unity and he doesn't kind of ever, have everyone singing off the same hymn sheet, then he's going to upset a lot of people when he doesn't pick them. But by developing this, you know, when players are left out, they might be a little bit miffed off, but they're not going to start causing kind of a, a riot in the dressing room or anything like that, which is which is quite a smart move from Bengana to, to make, an, and a, a difficult job as well, to make every single player feel valued and appreciated.
0: Yeah, that leads to your next question, which was about dressing room control. And I thought it was really interesting how we were saying, like, um, it's like the player's domain and... and he kind of leaves it to them, doesn't he? He
3: does. And it was interesting to hear, like you said, because I think we've had quite a few managers in the club before, whereby, and, and other clubs, and it, it does happen, whereby managers make themselves the sole focus in the dressing room. You know, managers dominate that space. But from Ben Garner's point of view, as you heard there, that he gives the dressing room entirely to the players. I'm sure there are times when you'll get him at half-time or before the match, you'll have a few words. But he said that this is, you know, this is their domain. This is their area. whatever they want to do in there they can do and it's about what what you heard there it's about from Bangana is players taking on that leadership qualities in different areas of the club because by letting them have that dressing room to themselves and, and letting them control you know what music goes on what they're talking about kind of what they're doing in the dressing room that then empowers the players to kind of develop into leaders and I think when you leave a group of individuals to kind of fight amongst themselves almost to develop leaders then that's when you really see that happen if you had a manager in there that was kind of controlling what was going on you'd have everyone looking up to one person but by letting everyone kind of speak and have this space to themselves and have fun as well it's really interesting to see that they're developing these different types of leaders within the group
0: it really is it really is um the next question well the final question you asked him was about louis reed um i've never i have been but I'm just so desperate for this guy to be tied down to Swindon for a longer <laughs> period of time. Um, I'm not going to waffle on about my concerns about the contract situation, but um, why why did you want to zone in on on Louis Reed? Really, for me, with
3: Louis Reed, it was because we've not actually asked Ben Garner about it. And I don't think there's been much discussion about Louis Reed whatsoever, because as as I said, there he's a player that does all the simple things really well and doesn't ever kind of much get much line like for it. He, every single week, you know, you can rely on Louis Reed to go and put in a seven, eight out of ten performance on the pitch in midfield. Um and Ben Garner, as you heard there, it values him just as much as kind of we seem to as well. He, he Ben Garner and Ben Shorty had this doubt of if it was going to be possible to get Louis Reed in because they they think he's such a an important player and such a talented player as well. Um, ben Garner as you heard you know said he's very popular in the group he's just wonderful decision maker and he, he's also really improved off the ball as well um, Ben Garner is clearly a massive fan for him and you know hopefully we can get him tied down to a longer term
0: contract than, than what he's currently on well before we go to Dean um the Rochdale fan who um, I spoke to recently how how do you think we're lining up against Rochdale I mean Forest Green Rovers was an impressive win. It was an important win. It's was a great second half performance, but it wasn't a perfect display by Swindon. But can you drop any of that, eleven?
3: It's difficult, isn't it? Because you're you're going from a 2-0 clean sheet away victory against top of the table to playing the team that you expected to beat near the bottom. So, you know, admittedly, you probably think no, but I think there will be a couple of changes. If I run you through my uh, kind of line up quickly. You know, I, I'm going Lewis Ward in goal with the same back three of Critchlow, Conroy, Odomayo. I would expect possibly Rob Hunt to drop out in in place of Kessler Hayden. Iron Dolor start. I think Reed and Gladwin will hold down their places in in midfield because you know even though Ben Gladwin's been a bit iffy at times this season, he, he has started to improve and of course he put in a very good performance at Forest Green. Jack Payne will can keep his position, I think. You know, Tyree Simpson, of course, has been getting amongst the goals lately, and and you could not take Harry McCurdy out of this team at this moment, could you? So, you know, very similar, like you said, but I think the one
0: change will be Hunt out and probably Kessler Hayden in. Yeah, um, there's, 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 obviously, there's a you know long running conversation about goalkeepers, but I think I agree with you for that one based on what Garner said. I think distance and travel sort of takes out JoJo for for this week.
3: It doesn't. It's, it's not. It's not like. It's not like Ward's played bad either.
0: No, exactly. No, and this is what what's like I'm not blind blinded by my opinion to a point to the point where I can't see why um Ward <laughs> should start because he absolutely should based on what Garner said in this presser. So yeah, um Hunt would be very, very harsh, but Kessler Hayden, I mean he put in one of those crosses for England under twenties in midweek which if we get some of that against Rochdale, well, Tyree Simpson will be very happy indeed. He
3: will. Ty, Tyree Simpson is uh, certainly picking up in form and he's certainly getting amongst the goals. Um, I think, you know, international break for the likes of Kesla Hayden can only do him well. He, he's such a young player with so much energy, he shouldn't need to be rested. And I'd imagine him to come back into the team and, and hopefully, like you said, he can put some more of those delightful balls into the box to help Simpson edge ever closer towards double digits as, as we get into the last stages of the year.
0: Yeah. Okay, give me a, give me a prediction score last week we thought Forest Green would be, you know, much tougher opponents and he went for a 2-2. We're going for this week against Rochdale.
3: This week I'm going to go for a 4-1 win. That would be lovely, wouldn't it? It would. Probably won't happen.
0: I've only got one right this <laughs> season, but you never know. Let's be optimistic. Oh, I'm going to go for a 2-1 Swindon. Um 2-0 up for the majority then a late consolation to annoy the clean sheet bonus Ryan, thank you very much Thanks Rich, thank you very much
5: A deep delivery And it's back across goal, and it's
0: off the line Incredible Swindon players were celebrating The bench was celebrating But the ball didn't cross the line Is it Sheldon Logan on the line? It certainly is, what an incredible clearance Because he's actually stepped
1: off
4: the post that he was marking And it goes again, this time
1: it's in Aidan Flint Swindon Town have rescued it, and Brentford are on the floor in their own backyard again.
0: Hello, Dean. Hi, Rachel Okay, mate. I'm very, very well, thank you, and thank you for agreeing to take part in this. Coming on a Swindon Town podcast, talk about Rochdale in your in your free time. It's much appreciated. Oh, no problem whatsoever I'm always happy to talk Dale. <laughs> so tell me a bit about yourself how long you've been supporting Rochdale for and uh, what do you do in this world of social media and podcasts and stuff like that to get the word of the Dale out there? Yeah so I've
5: been going to Dale for about 22-23 years now um, not always been a seem to get older because of work and because of working away and uh, university and things like that but uh, in the last couple of years, I moved back a little bit closer to closer to home, and um, took over with with my friend Chaff the Rochdale FC.com website a couple of years ago, which which has been running for well longer than I've been going to Dale. To be honest, it's uh, it was great work by Cole back in the day to to run it, but in his role with the trust, he kind of stepped back and allowed me and Chaff to take over. Um, so I've been doing that for a couple of years, and then we started kind of the podcast hand in hand with it during lock, the first lockdown. Uh, and we're up to 50 or 60 episodes now. We've had a few ex-players on and what have you and then i run the Twitter as well, which is fc.com. So we try and do as much as possible. The forum on there as well on our website is kind of the main place I think still where a lot of Dale fans still uh, communicate and interact and what have you. So I feel like we're kind of the place to be for Dale fans, to be honest.
0: Nice. Which ex-players have you spoke to?
5: Uh, We had Adam LaFondra on. Um, which was brilliant. Lee McKeverley, who was a a bit of a fan's favourite back in the day. And we also had, um, at the start of last season, we had BBM, uh, the manager at the time, on with Owen O'Connell, the captain. So that was great as well. And and really nice of the club to allow us to speak to them as well.
0: Fantastic. Lafondre's doing the business in Australia still, isn't
5: he? Yeah, well, he was in India when we spoke to him. I think he's back in Australia now. But yeah, really nice bloke. And uh, it was great to chat with him because he was part of a a really special Dale team that got to Wembley in our centenary season for the first our first ever trip to Wembley. So yeah, definitely uh, fondly remembered by Dale
0: fans. A real sort of Jeff Stelling early, you know, mid '90s goal scorer every week. Lafondre always.
5: Yeah, I mean, it, it was one of those where when we sold him as well, he went to Rotherham. I think he ended up scoring even more at Rotherham. Uh, we felt like we'd maybe lost our best player, but then. We had Chris O'Grady and, and Chris Dagnall form a partnership that was absolutely blistering and we ended up winning promotion that season just, after, just as he left. So, yeah, we have, we've had we had a lot of uh, really enjoyable strikers um, to watch over the years, those three included, but also, you know, the likes of Glenn Murray and Ricky Lambert and, and Grant Holt who've gone on to do great things in the game. So, a bit of a hotbed for strikers at Dale, to be honest.
0: Yeah. What's it like supporting a team like Rochdale up in the northwest, where, like, competition to support elite world-renowned clubs is the easiest thing to do isn't it and then you've got guys like yourself that that go for Rochdale
5: um I wouldn't change it personally I mean I've been to United and City plenty I've been to loads of Premier League games and it's just not the same to me anymore um Rochdale's is kind of my club and even though I didn't I wasn't kind of born into it like a lot of people are I, I sort of fell into it having tried a few of the local clubs um it just feels like home to me. So it, it, I've never really thought twice about it, but it can be frustrating because, I mean, there have been times when I've walked into pubs 10 minutes from the ground and people have looked at the badge on my shirt and gone, is that Chelsea kit? I'm like, oh, come on. <laughs> We're like 10 minutes <laughs> away from Scotland here. Yeah? Um, so, yeah, it's not always easy, but we, we have our moments and I think, you know, we, we have a connection. I'm sure you'll feel it yourself. We have a connection with our club that I don't think most Premier League fans w- will ever kind of understand. Um, I always point back to That that promotion season, I remember in 2013-14, the the day that we sealed promotion, all the squad in the Regal Moon, which is the Weatherspoons in Rochdale Town Centre, dancing on tables with us, singing and taking photos. I was like, that is something no Premier League fan will ever, ever get to experience. So I, I wouldn't change it for the world personally.
0: If you're a Manchester United fan in the 90s, you're forcing yourself to dance on the table.
5: <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, we uh, I think it's one of those where we don't like you say we don't get too many opportunities, so when they come along
0: we we absolutely grasp them with both hands. <laughs> absolutely and and rightly so. Okay, well to move from sort of slightly enthusiastic sort of conversation to what's happening at the moment with Rochdale and 2021 for you guys has been just as frustrating and worrying as it has been for us down um in Wiltshire, um in so much of you know ownership issues and um the people involved in those and there's been a link between Swindon and Rochdale because of names that have been linked to this. I mean, it, I can't ask you to do it in a in a small sound bite, but just for those who don't know, what's been happening with Rochdale this year so i'll try I'll try and keep it as
5: as short as possible, but it really is a, a bit of an epic story which. People can actually, if they want the full story, they can find it on the forum. We have a a thread on the forum called the Hostile Takeover thread, which kind of ties everything in. Uh, and there's links to all the different threads, to things that have happened over that time. But it, it started really with um, the previous CEO and a couple of directors. They were looking to bring in investment into the club. Um, they weren't particularly trusted by supporters. There was a, a shambolic um, AGM slash EGM where... Um, sorry, there was a shambolic fans forum before the AGM um, where the CEO was crying talking about his long-term support of the club, which has since been called into question, given his uh, what he's done since, shall we say. Um, And we found out that BBM had been given, Brian Barry Murphy had been given a, a contract extension that nobody know, knew about that had been there for two or three months. So I think that was the final straw with David Bottomley, the CEO for a lot of people. Um, And from there, him trying to get that investment. He tried to push through a share issue where the board could kind of allow anyone they wanted to take over some new shares and basically take over the club. Um, The fans voted against that and in turn also voted Bottomley off the board alongside Graham Rawlinson. Bottomley was then removed as CEO, quite clearly had to be. It was an untenable position for him at that point. Uh, Not far after that. And then obviously the, the worry was that Bottom, they owned minimal shares, but some of the people that had been on the board um, and clearly weren't interested in running the club anymore had a huge portion of the shares. Which bottomly we believe um, then as linked up with, with a man called Alexander Jarvis, who's a bit of a, a broker, should we say? Um, and they tried to kind of find the, the highest bidder. Um, the, the, the name that a lot of Swindon fans will know is Alex uh, Andrew Curran, Sorry. Um, Alex is his son if I'm right, if I'm correct in thinking. Um, Taylor
0: is the one that we know. I don't know if he has an Alex, yeah.
5: Yeah, so his his it was his father actually. Um he was considered to be kind of the, the front runner for the for those shares. They ended up eating up about 40% of the shares because, like I say, a lot of the, the former board were no longer involved and no longer interested in keeping the shares. Um, there was a lot of incredible work done, um, a lot of help from the Swindon Supporters Trust as well, helping the Dale Trust, a lot of Swindon fans on social media, which we're eternally grateful for, in kind of exposing uh, Mr. Curran and his business partner, Daryl Rose, and Morton House Management, the company they set up to try and take those shares, in uh, kind of exposing them for what they were, um, I won't go into too much detail there, but it, it was never, ever going to be accepted by Dale fans, um, I don't think. So, from there, the, the next issue is that there are plenty of kind of twos and bros, whether they'll get to the, the the 50% mark, which gives them control of the club. Um, there was a meeting that they have with the current board and with the EFL where they made some homophobic remarks, which are still being, uh, regarding the current board, which is still being. Um, Still being, I'm not sure what the word is, but investigated, should we say, by the EFL, uh, the, the, this investigation kind of in terms of they're over thirty, they were on, they were on about forty percent of the shares, so they were subject to the EFL owners and directors test, which I think is kind of this this scrutiny was what has turned them away, um, because Mister Curran's uh, digital footprint is basically non-existent, and I don't think he wanted to be. Um, out in the open, shall we say. So, um, yeah, they backed down after that. The issue then was that obviously they there's problems in terms of whether they actually do own the shares because the, the the they've never been ratified, that share sale. Those that have sold the shares claim that they've been paid in full. So, hey, there's, there's an issue there as to who actually does own those shares at the moment. Uh, we then hear from a name that nobody in football likes to hear, Matt Southall, who former uh, Charlton chairman, he was. He came in and, and kind of said that he'd bought 25% of those 40-odd percent that Morton House had managed to get. Um, but thankfully, the good news is that last week, the club held uh, an EGM where they could um, put forward a share issue. Uh, now that it's a new board in place, the fans were very much up for that. And also, the, a big part of it was that this share issue was going to be um, an opportunity for supporters to actually buy those shares which in turn obviously dilutes the shareholding that either Southall or Morton House have whichever way you look at it could be both it could be just Morton House still um, so yeah that, that's the brilliant news and now Dale fans have got an opportunity to to, to put their hands in their pockets if, the, if they've got the money uh, buy some shares dilute those shareholdings and hopefully we can carry on being a fan-owned club you know not a trust-owned club That that's not that's not what the club want to be that's not what the trust want to be they don't want to own the club but um with the, they're trying to get as many shareholders as possible which would make it as difficult uh, as it as can be for people like Southall and current to take over the club so it's been an absolute roller coaster as you can tell there I said I'd try and keep it short but I feel like I've been talking for about three days and that, <laughs> that's the short
0: version oh, To be honest no. With. no it's wonderfully put thank you very much for that Dean and you know, it's it's a stress that we only know too well. and It, it almost feels like there's this WhatsApp group somewhere of people, you know, of, of <laughs> you know, ill repute that just are waiting in line to try and take over a, a lower league football club. But what, what do you think the motives were for Rochdale?
5: I think the fact that it was probably quite, it looked quite easy to get those shares. They were, the former directors obviously had no interest in keeping hold of them um and i think you know there were assets at the club as well um maybe maybe not so much now because we've sold a couple of key players anyway over the summer but we own the ground and things like that um mr southall was saying that you know that he believes that these shares are worth something if the club can get back into league 1 mm-hmm. that he can make it kind of a, a quick profit which is why he was he he said that he wasn't interested in running the club but he also said that um had a different had the there was so there was a director called Andrew Kelly whose shares uh, were kind of in limbo. There was a a legal dispute as to whether Morton House had actually acquired them or not. Uh, Mr. Southall said that had had Morton House won that dispute, uh, there would be a different conversation to have, and he may be interested in in actually purchasing the club and uh, and running the club then. So I think I think it was kind of it looked like an opportunity where. Um, for these people it would have been it, it, it seemed like it should have been an easy win for them to to get in and get those shares and, and run the club the way they see fit, asset stripping, whatever it may be. Um but thankfully we at Rochdale, we don't take too kindly to people uh trying to we don't take too kindly to people trying to run our football club in a way we don't want it to be run. And honestly it's made me so proud this summer to see the way that the supporters kind of has won. Of, of rallied together um, behind the trust and behind the new board and it's been a it's been an absolute rollercoaster but i think one thing that one thing that we can take from it is that 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 sense of community and, and togetherness within the fan base is stronger than ever at the moment even if things aren't you know going too well on the pitch in the last few weeks there's a feeling that this club is ours and we'll keep fighting to make sure that it stays that way and and hopefully with the share issue um being passed last week and with plenty of fans already putting their applications in to buy them. Hopefully we're starting to kind of come to the end of the worst of it now.
0: Well, it was hugely impressive watching you guys in action on social media, you know, during the height of, of the, the current related sort of interest in taking over Rochdale. I I mean, Swindon fans have been trying to find information of just about who the current family were really, you know, it was, it, it was just non-existent as you said. And, uh, I, I'm, I can't really comment on on the current family purely because I don't know anything about them other than their reputation. But, you know, in this modern day, to not have that footprint was remarkable considering. Yeah,
5: absolutely. And, and, and terrifying from our point of view for someone to have the kind of money that they were supposedly throwing about. At one point, they were apparently offering £10 um, a share to try and get from that 40% mark to the 50% mark. Um, which is crazy. That's that's three, four, possibly even five times what they're actually worth. Well, actually, the club have, have issued them now at um, at two pound a share. So you can see the obviously they were backed somehow. There was money there. So to have that kind of money and to have like you say zero, so like zero presence online um, was very worrying. And there's some Rochdale fans um, that I think are owed a few beers for some of the work that they put in. Um, and I don't know where they, I don't know where they've got these skills from. There must be some uh, investigative reporters or something within our ranks because yeah, I have no idea how they managed to dig up as much as they did. And I think it's safe to say that it's that played more than a small part in the EFL um, investigation being set in motion and in turn, Morton House kind of um, backing down from
0: the, their efforts to try and
5: purchase the club.
0: Yeah, well, fingers crossed more fans get shares ASAP. How have you found it as a fan, like having the stress of all that's been happening behind the scenes and then also just wanting to be a football fan because that's what we're all here for, the football. Um, Last year with Swindon when it was all going wrong and it kind of when it it reached its sort of boiling point when the season was over but we were rubbish on the pitch and seemingly rubbish off the pitch so it was easier at the time um, just to be just generally angry or upset but how have you found it this season when it's very much in play sure you know results haven't been going your way but do you always have like one eye on the business side and you can't really enjoy or focus on the playing side how have you found it
5: yeah the strange thing is because we're in a slightly different situation so most of the clubs that have found themselves kind of in a, in a in a wrangle for the ownership of the club, in that we we were trying to stop someone coming in, and we were very much in support of the current board or the board that we're putting place during the summer. Um, so it, it, there's been a I think a, especially when the results started going our way, there's been a real swell of support around the, around the current board and around the club. So it's been a, a strange kind of atmosphere. I think w- when we picked up the wins, the win at Northampton uh, was our first win of the season. Um. And that came on the same day as the news that Morton House had pulled out. So obviously the atmosphere that day was absolutely unbelievable in the away end. Um, and then the, the following Friday we were at home to Colchester, and it was our hundredth anniversary of, of being a football league club, which was a fantastic night. You know, we we ended up drawing the game. Um, but the the, the the there was ex players there, and there was a great atmosphere, people singing, and there was like an outdoor bar beforehand and stuff. So in a weird kind of way, I feel like it's actually brought a lot of fans closer together. And the anger is towards people who actually don't have anything to do with the club, as things stand, aside from perhaps maybe owning some shares. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been it's been strange. I think for me, when I've been at the game, I've kind of been able to separate it. But I would say that on the whole, um, my actual my actual time thinking about Dale has been taken up more by kind of worrying about the future than it has about worrying, you know, what's what's been happening on the pitch.
0: Yeah. Well, form-wise, um, you know, it started shaky. Then you had a really good sort of end of August, September. And then since October's come in, you've lost a few on the bounce, haven't you? So talk to me about the season so far. What's been going on?
5: Yeah, I think... Obviously, huge upheaval, not just within the boardroom, but in in the playing staff and and the manager as well, Robbie Stockdale, coming in for his first job after Brian Barry Murphy left for Manchester City under-23. So, it was always going to be a transitional season and it was always going to be hard for us to find our feet. I think at the moment, um, what we've seen over the last few weeks has been pretty, pretty dire. I mean, last Saturday, we lost at home to Crawley and barely laid a glove on them. One of the worst home performances I've seen from a Dale side in a long time, and that's including five or six years of pretty much finishing in the bottom six of League One um, and not winning many games at home at all. So um, we we're desperate for a reaction after that because it really was poor. But there have been moments, like you say, we had a little bit of spell of form in in, uh, in September where we beat Northampton, we beat Port Vale. The performance at Port Vale was excellent. It was a win over Tranmere, which was really really good. We've got some really talented young players there that are. Perhaps lacking in consistency at the moment, which you expect from young players, and maybe we're lacking, you know, one or two more experienced leaders in the side to make sure heads heads stay up when things aren't going our way. Um, it still feels like the kind of season where if we get on a roll, we could be right up there. But if if things don't turn around quickly, especially after last week, which was a real a real low point, then it could become a really difficult season. It, it's weird to be kind of midway through October and not actually be 100% sure which end of the table we couldn't be at <laughs> that high to be honest.
0: Yeah, I know that feeling. So how, how does Robbie Stockdale like to set up his side? So it's been it's been wing-backs mostly, so kind of a 3-4-3, three, 3-5-2, three, uh, three,
5: depends which way you see it. Um, I, I see it more as a 3-4-3. Three, three. We've got... Um, the, the the issue there is that our, our centre-backs, we've got Owen O'Connell, who's the captain in the middle. Who, for me, for my money, I can't imagine there's a better centre-half in the league. The problem is the two lads next to him are very inexperienced. Um, two out of three of Sam Graham, Gerald Dorset, and uh, Max Taylor, all three of them are playing the first season of, in the Football League. So O'Connell's kind of having to drag them through games at the moment and none of them are particularly comfortable on the ball, which you kind of need for me in a back three. So... Um, that's been an issue. I think he seems reluctant to change it, even last Saturday when things weren't going well, when, when the substitutions came and we brought on uh, newbie and Cashman. It was kind of a like-for-like like and nothing changed in terms of shape. So I'd expect it to be the same again this Saturday, even though at this point I think a lot of the supporters are, are, are wondering whether uh, you know maybe it's time to revert to a back four. Um, the, the issue is that we haven't really got um, another striker, another out and out striker to play alongside Jake Beasley because Josh Andrews, who's on loan from uh, from Birmingham at the moment, is out injured. So our options up front, a lot of them are. We've got a lot of tidy kind of wingers and attacking midfielders, but in terms of someone to put the ball in the back of the net, which is kind of uh, <laughs> the aim of the game, in it, I think that's what we're lacking at the moment. And perhaps, like I say, some some experience in midfield would, wouldn't go amiss either.
0: Well, talking to midfield, there's one player that stands out for Swindon fans. He hasn't played many games, but he is back in the side now. And that's Liam Kelly. And the reason why I want to mention him is that he was on trial for quite some time in the summer with Swindon. Um, and I mean, I remember seeing him play for Reading in in the Championship and being absolutely brilliant. He got his move to Feyenoord. Um, and he turns up at Swindon, and this is before we'd signed Johnny Williams. And we were like, wow what's going on here, you know? And then and then he was there for a while. It looked like that that was going to happen. And then it didn't because we brought in, probably it was down to maybe us signing Louis Reed. And then he, he rocks up at Rochdale. And, and you know, this is where it sounds disrespectful. You kind of go, oh, so that's where Liam Kelly's at at the moment, as opposed to what we thought was going to be this sort of marquee signing. It, 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 it sounds more like he's not had a, a great time of it. Um, it, during his spell in the Netherlands. How, how's he been in the few games that he has played for you? Um, I think he's struggling to kind of get
5: up to match fitness still at the moment. Uh, what I will say is it's very, very clear that he has quality on the ball. Um, the, the issue is that he's kind of been asked to be, to do a role that I'm not sure is 100% the role that, that he would prefer to play. So he's coming on in games where we're chasing, chasing a goal and he's trying to create something from kind of a deep lie in midfields role which is difficult to do, especially when, like I say, we don't have too many kind of attacking options to, to aim at. Um it's kind of the same with A.D. White, who used to be at Leeds who you might remember. So we've got him at left back and both of them have come into the team more recently. And what it is is you can see that they both have so much ability and so much quality. The problem is they're playing in a team that's lacking confidence at the moment and lacking a bit of cohesion and as such they're they're not really being able to affect the game um like they'd want to i think both of them i think both of them will come good eventually that's probably me being a little bit optimistic at the moment because if you'd have asked me last saturday after the after the crawley game and i said oh god we're going down but um i think i think the pair of them will be really good players for us um the problem is we need those players that have played at a higher level to kind of galvanize us now and, and grab games by the scruff of the neck uh whether Kelly's that kind of player, I'm not sure. He looks more like a kind of neat, tidy midfielder with, you know, nice with the set pieces and what have you. Uh, he scored a cracking goal in the in the EFL Trophy against Liverpool in the 21. So if we can see a bit more of that, then that'll look like a brilliant signing. But at the moment, he's playing in a poor in a poor team or an underperforming team, should we say? So it's hard to you know make too much of a judgment on him just yet.
0: Yeah, who else should we look out for? I mean, you mentioned uh, Jake Beasley there, and that that's one of those moments where I'm like, oh man, because I remember watching his dad play uh, back in the day. I'm pretty sure he might have played in the first game Swindon played in the Premier League. He was certainly in that era at Sheffield United, and then it just now his son is like playing in the football league, and you know he's 24 himself. But um, who else should we look out for?
5: yeah bees is bees is a key player for us because he does so much work um at the t- at the front of the attack kind of the, the the problem is this season he doesn't have a Stephen humphreys next to him to finish the chances uh that's what's going to let him down he's he's not a natural goal scorer and we don't have one in our team so he's kind of doing the dirty work but there's no one to finish the chances after that at the moment but he he he's he struggled in the last couple of weeks as well uh Danny Cashman's one player who's, who looked exciting. He scored a nice couple of goals against Mansfield and Tranmere, but then has kind of also regressed a little bit in the last few weeks. But he's alone from Coventry. You'll recognise him straight away because he looks just like Jack Grealish. That's we have, we have a, already have a little song about him looking like Jack Grealish. So um yeah, he, he could he, he could be the kind of player who wins those games kind of on his own when he's on it. Um the problem is obviously you don't want to be relying too much on on a young kid in his first season out alone. Um, in the Football League. Udu is another one who's a, a, a tricky little winger. Uh, he just, he's just missing chances galore at the moment, which is the only thing that's letting him down, to be honest. Outside of the box, he looks like one hell of a player who's dribbling past men like they're not there. He's playing nice little one-twos. He's looking to get us on the front foot. But as soon as he's in the box, his composure is gone. And I've count, I've counted five one-on-one chances that he should have scored this season, and he's only got one goal to his name. Um, so that's, that's... Yeah, that... It, there's a reason he's at Rochdale, right? And I guess that's the reason why. So hopefully we can kind of coach that into him. But he, he'll he be a threat if, if and when he's on the pitch. Um, I think Aaron Morley's the player that a lot of people are expecting us to kind of sell on for big money, um, maybe in the next year or two. For me, I'm not sure whether he's at a level where he could go on to play League One and Championship. He has his moments and he's got an unbelievable kind of switch of play passing him but he's he's laborious on the ball at times and makes poor decisions and was was partly at fault for the goal last week. In fact, he's at fault for quite a lot of our goals, if you watch them back, in terms of losing the ball in midfield. So, um, it, yeah, he, he can be the kind of player who, again, on his day, looks like, looks like he should be playing at a higher level, but like a lot of our squad, uh, is lacking in consistency. So, it depends which version of him turns up on Saturday.
0: That's League Two football, isn't it? You know, we have our fair share of those, you know, over the years, too. The the dread of that, he's he's down here for a reason. You know, (laughs) (laughs) you you want to love every player, don't you? But (laughs) it comes down to that sometimes, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Okay, well, before you go, I mean, what are your expectations as a collective? What are Rochdale fans expecting from this? Is it just like. You know, try and stop this run that you're on of losses. Or uh, is there any sort of reasons to be cheerful from your performance against Liverpool into twenty ones? I know that sounds daft, but we It seems that Swindon are using the the Papa John's Trophy this year more to their benefit instead of just dismissing it like the last few managers have done. Um, what's what's the expectations? Um, I think, in terms of what we're expecting for the full season, I think
5: yeah, just stop the rock, kind of. I think. The issue like I say, we've spent the last four or five seasons just just about keeping our heads above water we nearly we nearly managed it again last season, but just fell just fell short in the end so I think just a season where we're not worrying about relegation a season where we win a few games at home because last season watching at home we went nineteen home games in all competitions without a win and it was just it was an absolute drag so just just make it an entertaining season even if we end up Finishing kind of mid-table mediocrity, even if we're in the bottom half. I don't think too many fans would be disappointed with that, given what we've been through this summer and given the massive upheaval. Um, if we can just enjoy the season as it as it, as it it rumbles on and have a few moments to, to celebrate, I think that would be enough for me, even if we end up finishing 15th, 16th. That being said, I do think there's potential in this squad. Players like Corey O'Keefe, players like Stephen Dooley, they've shown already this season in moments how good they can be. Owen O'Connell, like I say, for me, is one of the best, if not the best, defender in the league. Um, so there's potential there if we can get on a run. And we saw in the in the wins at, at Northampton and Port Vale and and that win over Tranmere at home, we saw that there's definitely ability in this squad. Um, and if we can make the right additions in January, I think we already know. We already know what we need that. we need that striker, we need that, that steely midfielder. Um, there's no reason why we can't push on towards the top half. Um, but uh, that that's that's down the road I think uh, for now, I would hundred percent take a draw in Swindon on Saturday because uh, the last few performances have been pretty poor, and I think there needs to be some sort of reaction now and some sort of um some just something different because the last few games have kind of followed the same pattern. Um, and we need to we need to put a stop to that as soon as possible and start getting back to the things that we were doing right before and...
0: cool. Give me give me a, a prediction for what draw.
5: Um I'd take a draw, but I'm not oh, yeah. Actually, I work for I work in making predictions, football predictions, so I can't <laughs> do it to myself and pretend that I think we're gonna get a draw. <laughs> There's no way I can't do it. So I'm just gonna say uh I'm gonna say one 0 win for Swindon. Lovely.
0: Dean, that was brilliant. Thank you very much. Cheers, Rich. <laughs> Run by Hayden, the Low Strangers is an independent podcast and views given do not reflect those of Swindon Town Football Club. The intro music of the presser is by the amazing Drag Me Down, influenced by the great Matthew Kilford. And the podcast artwork is by Matt in Singapore. What a guy. Thanks for listening. Come on, Swindon. <laughs>